0: You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. Many of you probably would like to get closer in your relationship with God more than you are right now. And how many of you have ever thought, well, you know... God just seems really distant and and remote from me in in the terms of my situation right now. So then how many of you would be willing to journey with us in order to get closer to God and understand what it means to be in a relationship with Him and recognize His presence? Well, Over these next seven Sundays, we're embarking on a spiritual adventure. And I would expect that every one of us who authentically is engaging in this endeavor will discover that God is closer than you think. To some of us, that will mean a course correction in our spiritual journey because maybe you've just felt like, you know, I've just drifted from a relationship that I used to have with God that seemed to be so strong at one point. Or maybe you're in the camp that, you know, I've never really felt like I've, I've had a relationship with God, and, and that's my heart's desire, so I would love to move in that direction. Maybe for others of you, you think, well, you know, uh, I'm, I've had a great relationship for many years, but I'd love for it to go deeper. I'd love for my prayer to be more personal. I'd love for my awareness of God's presence in and around me to be that much more heightened, Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, this series is designed to bring you even closer in your relationship with God. So here's how we begin. I want to give you a chance to put yourself in God's place for a moment. Given all the pain and grief that you've caused him, why would he create you? I mean, look at you. (laughs) And I know y'all are looking this way, so fine, I get it. What's he after? What's his purpose in all this? Why did he create any of us in the first place? Well, let's consider that as we go to the very first relationship that God had with any person. And that is when God creates Adam and places him in the Garden of Eden. Now, I think many people erroneously picture it this way, that here's Adam in the garden and God is off, far away, distant in this place called heaven somewhere and on occasion, he drops in to say, hey, but that's not the picture we get in the Bible. The Bible is very clear that God is omnipresent, which means there is no location that can contain him. So in the Garden of Eden, God and Adam, in a sense, hang out together. When Adam named the animals, God was right there. The Bible says that whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. God must have said, hey, Adam, anteater, good name, buddy. Rhinoceros, okay. And when, when you think about when God created Eve. Adam must have said, hey, God, good job. I didn't know you had that in you. Adam and Eve were, among other things, very close with God. What they did, they did with God. Where they went, they went with God. Until that fateful day when they made the decision to disobey God, it's referred to as the fall now, prior to the fall, God comes to the garden to walk with Adam in the cold of the day. Apparently, that was routine. They would walk together. But this time, Adam was not there. And God calls out, Adam, where are you? So there's a rustling behind the bushes. And from there, this timid voice says, Well, I was afraid, I hid. I heard you God wanted to be with Adam but Adam didn't want to be with God and God's heart breaks but God doesn't give up you see God's great desire is to be with Adam even though the relationship was violated because of Adam and Eve's choice because of their sin God continued to want to be in a relationship with them God longed for that intimacy that hanging out time So God would walk with Adam's descendants, and and every once in a while, one of them would get it, and we would hear like this, of Enoch, that Enoch walked with God, or of Noah, that Noah walked with the Lord. It wasn't that God was being elusive. It wasn't that he was creating these huge hoops for somebody to jump through in order to be with him. It's just that they didn't want to be with him. Most people hid, but God didn't give up. One day I kind of picture that God must have said to his angels, now watch this, we're going to create a new people called Israel and I am going to be in a relationship with them in such a way that everyone else is going to want to be in a relationship with me. And the Bible records a new pattern of relationships with God. So talking about a grandfather, his son and grandson, the Bible says God was with Abraham, God was with Isaac, God was with Jacob. And in these relationships, God would do some surprising things to teach people what it meant to be with him. Jacob had a son named Joseph. We heard his story last week briefly. We know that there was a lot in Joseph's life that did not go well for him. But the strangest thing kept happening. Joseph was sold into slavery. but The Bible says the Lord was with Joseph in slavery. He was put into prison, but the text says, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Later on, when the people of Israel were being led out of Egypt, the text says, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night, a pillar of fire to give them light. So the people would know he was with them. It's like God kept saying, I want to be with you. I want to hang out with you. I'll be with you in the garden. I'll be with you in the flood. I'll be with you in prison, in slavery, in Egypt, in the wilderness, in the promised land. I just want to be with you. Moses came to prize this life with God so much that once when Israel was in the wilderness and God was about to lead them into the promised land, Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. What Moses was saying is, God, I'd rather be with you in the wilderness than in the promised land without you. Are you picking up on God's great desire? What the greatest desire of his heart is, it's to be with his people. And on and on this theme would continue until until God puts into action his plan from the foundation of the world. And he says, in effect, I'm going to go down there then. And God sneaks down here. In the middle of the night, he is born in a manger. Do you remember the conversation the angel had with Joseph, a different Joseph, When he informed Joseph about Mary's pregnancy, the angel said that Jesus would also have the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And at the end of his ministry, Jesus confirmed all of this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. When you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, that is your leader and forgiver. God sent his spirit into your life to be with you forever. God's desire to be with you is so central that at the very end of the Bible, when God sets everything right, the fulfillment of human existence is described in almost the same terms. From Revelation we read, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. God's desire and plan extends all the way through eternity. Now, let's get specific and talk about what this means for us today. When the Bible says that the Lord was with Abraham or or Joseph or, or Moses, what did that mean? What did that look like? And how do we experience it? Well, God can use an infinite variety of ways to express His presence for us. He can use scripture, creation, other people, art, solitude, world events, etc. Our part, my part, is to learn to continually focus my attention on God, to think about Him, talk to Him, ask for His help, tell Him my plans, pour out my heart, complain about my problems, give thanks for the blessings. So this week, let's start here. You're at work and your sense of anxiety and worry is increasing. Think about the presence of God. Think about his greatness, that he's big enough to care for you through whatever is looming. When you're faced with some kind of temptation, be up front with the Lord about that temptation. I mean, he knows what you're facing and ask him for help to get through that, through the best route of escape possible and the courage to take it. If you're facing a problem in life, pour out your heart to him. If you're thankful or happy, tell him and be specific. Are you getting the idea? If I were to boil down the practice of all human spiritual life, I should say, of all spiritual life into a single statement from scripture, it would be this. I keep My eyes always on the Lord. When you and I do that, there are certain thoughts and characteristics of God that just come into our hearts and our souls. And when those things are present, there's a good chance it's a result of God's presence with us. So let's talk about some of the signs of God's presence so that you can recognize them when they come. There are four indications that I want to talk about today of God's presence. The first one is reassurance. When God was talking to Joshua, just before Joshua was to lead the Israelites into the promised land, God reassured him. God reassured him of his presence and said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let me uh, give you a list of statements that are supposed to be actual quotes from employee performance evaluations. Now, obviously, these are poor work employees, actual quotes. I would not allow this employee to breed. (laughs) This employee is not really so much of a has-been, but more of a definite won't-be. This employee is depriving a village somewhere of its idiot. (laughs) He doesn't have ulcers, but he's a carrier. If you see two people talking and one is bored, he's the other one. I mention these because for a lot of people, when we think about God, we think about him as being like a divine performance evaluator. And it scares us to death to think, oh, what does he think about me? And if this were your view of God, then you would avoid him at all costs and you certainly wouldn't want to talk to him much. But understand this, in the history of the universe, God has never asked anyone to do something by themselves. Whatever God calls you to do, he calls you to do it in partnership with him. And one of the ways you will know that God is present is when you experience his reassurance. Somebody rejects you. And in the middle of that pain, the thought occurs to you, I am loved by God. You face a challenge at work, maybe even losing your job, but in the midst of all that anxiety, the idea comes into your mind, I can handle this, it's not going to destroy me. You're in transition. You're facing a big change, not sure how it's going to work out, and suddenly you have this sense that you're not alone. It hit a man named Paul in jail one day, and he said, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When those thoughts come into your mind, whether it's through scriptures that you know, a book that you've read, another person, be open to the possibility these aren't just random occurrences. This could very well be God with you. A second sign of God's presence with you is his guidance. The psalmist wrote, I will praise the Lord who counsels me, who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Sometimes guidance will come to you in a situation like you're in a store. The cashier, the clerk is just seeming like a, like a machine. Everyone kind of treats them that way, just next, next, next. But all of a sudden, you get this urge to look him or her in the eyes and maybe in the quiet of your heart, say a prayer of blessing over that person. Or you're stumped at work and all of a sudden an idea breaks through that is just what you needed. Or you're feeling distant from your child and all of a sudden an opportunity to build a bridge and reconnect is dumped in your lap. Or you're about to say something stupid, something self-promotional and damage inflicting in this still small voice in your head says, Shut up. Remember, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So be open to the possibility that God is doing what he said he would do. He is with you. He is reassuring you. He is guiding you. The third sign of God's presence is one of those areas that you feel, well, I'm not so sure. It makes me think that he's really for me. But it's one of the greatest expressions of his love and desire to be with you, and that is conviction. Jesus said that when the spirit of God is present, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. This is one of the hardest aspects of God's presence. The truth is my desire for God can be pretty selective. Sometimes I want God not to be around You know, most of the evil and darkness in our lives can only exist when there's hiddenness. You know, out of all the prayers that we pray, the one that may be the most common and yet the one that we won't acknowledge making is this. Don't look at me, God. It was the very first one spoken after Adam and Eve's sin. God came to walk with him in the garden. He wanted to be with the man and the woman, and he asked, where are you? Adam's reply, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, so I hid. Don't look at me, God. A parent with an anger problem decides to berate their kids because they're so frustrated, and that parent gets this rush of pleasure from inflicting pain, but they've got to first say a prayer, don't look at me, God. An executive who's going to pad an expense account. An employee who's going to deliberately take out something on a coworker to make them look bad. A Christ follower who makes financial decisions that keeps them from being a tither. One who is going to be kept from being the kind of steward that God wants them to be. A student who looks at another student's paper on an exam. A longtime church member who relishes an opportunity to pass judgment on someone else. A participant in a bitter divorce who chooses to hang on to resentment and self-righteousness. First, you have to say a little prayer. You're not going to say it out loud, of course. You probably won't even admit and acknowledge it, but your heart has no choice. Don't look at me, God. Here's a key question. When you experience the sign of God's presence through conviction, will you at that moment stop? Will you listen to God's Spirit and be honest with God? Maybe you say something like, God, the truth is, I don't want you here right now. I want to do what I want to do, but... I'm willing to surrender. I don't want to live without you. And I'd rather let go of my anger and addiction and pride than to let go of you. And the fourth sign of God's presence is joy. The psalmist says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. With eternal pleasures at your right hand. What is your capacity for joy? Jesus said to people who refused to follow him, who refused to be with him, he said, It's like this We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. Sometimes when we feel God's presence with us, you'll know because a little voice inside your head says, Dance. Or if you're Presbyterian, move in a kind of a rhythmic manner. Some of you will be in a car leaving church with music blaring and you're kind of singing and dancing and and looking like a fool and that's going to bring you joy. Others of you are going to be next to somebody in a car that's singing and dancing and looking like a fool. That's going to give you joy. Some of you will have put in intense effort at work and accomplished something significant. It's really good. And you have this strange sense of satisfaction, and that brings you joy. Or you see a sunset or the face of someone you love, and that brings you joy. Or you'll feel a rush of gratitude for no particular reason at all, just the goodness And thankfulness that you're alive. And that will make you feel joy. God's greatest desire is to be with you. He has expressed it from cover to cover in the Bible. He has gone to great lengths to let you know of it. And he is showing you signs of it every day. This week, as we seek to experience the the reassurance, the guidance, the conviction, and the joy of God's presence... Let's make this commitment together. That for the next six days, we'll do everything in our power to focus on God, even if it's outside our comfort zone. That see what this week holds for you and then go from there. And that for the next six Sundays of this series, you won't miss if you're able to be here or watch online. And that you will reach out and grasp the hand of the one who's already reaching down to you. He's here with you. God is closer than you think. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.